helping business leaders grow themselves, their team, and their profits. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Now, here is your host, Ken Coleman. We are broadcasting from the Music City, and this is the podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. We continue on in the month of June, our focus on delegation. Such a huge topic, so important. And uh, Chris Hogan's going to join me on this podcast as we talk about his experience as a leader on this issue of delegation. And then almost 11 years he's been here on the team. Dave has delegated so much to Chris. This is a really unique perspective. And then we talk about uh, what he knows about delegation as it relates to leadership in sports, specifically football. It's a great analogy. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Brian Clark is our other guest to feature interviews this episode. He's the founder of Copyblogger and the CEO of Rainmaker Digital. This guy's highly respected, a real guru, if you will. So this is going to be a fun conversation. All of you small business owners and content marketers, this is going to be especially practical for you. So we're looking forward to that. Of course, we've got some free stuff for you, our Entree Leader's Guide to Delegation, And then, of course, our friends at Infusionsoft have a giveaway as well. So all that coming to you. We're going to get right to this. Always fun when Chris Hogan, my colleague, and now has become a dear friend, joins me in studio. He's got one of the greatest voices of all time. We asked him to come in and give a unique perspective. And this guy always comes prepared. As many of you know, he is the former host of this podcast and handed off so gracefully the baton to me, and it's a real privilege to be on the team with this guy. So with no further ado, this is my conversation on delegation with Chris Hogan. Well, Chris, it's good to have you back in here, buddy. I mean, you know, you can't be that big of a stranger. You spent many, many a day in the studio. We have, and you and I have spent a lot of time out on the road. Okay, you don't know what I'm going to tell these folks, but this is funny. All right. We just landed in Dallas for the summit, yeah, Entree Leadership Summit, and we're standing at baggage claim together with about five or six of our team members. Do you remember this? I do. And I see your bag rolling off, and I say just instinctively, hey, Hogan, there's your bag. And a couple of the gals that were with us and the guys, they were laughing, and I go, you were on the road too much with that guy when you could recognize his bag. When you see my bag before I do... It's bad. We're spending too much time together. Too much Dave. time together too on much. the road. But we do have a lot of fun. Yeah, we do. So speaking of our focus, mm. delegation. Brought you in here because you've been a part of our tribe. How many years now? Are you? At- I'm going on 11. 11 years. Yes, sir. And you've led before you got here. Mm-hmm. You played big time sports. Mm-hmm. So you've seen it from so many angles. Yeah. You've led it. You've followed good delegation. We were talking before we started recording that delegation is really focused around one big word that matters so much to us. What is that word? Well, it's a word that, listen, Ken, I don't care how much money you have. You can't make more of it. We all have the same amount. And the word is, wait for it, time. Mm. We're all busy. Oh, yeah. We got 19,000 things to do. You and I, our schedules, if people saw it, (laughs) they would go, really? It's an everyday thing. And so what do we have to do if we're trying to be effective? We have to make sure we're using our time wisely. And I think that's where this topic, and I'm so glad you're talking about this, the topic of delegation, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, I've worked for some rock star leaders. You have too. We work for one now. Mm -hmm. But I've worked for some village idiots too. You work for any? Oh, yeah, several. Yeah. And when you see delegation done wrong, Mm -hmm. it leaves a horrible taste in your mouth. I'm glad you're talking about time. Here's why. When you work for somebody, I'm going to name two names that this audience knows very well. Okay. I've worked for John Maxwell, and Mm -hmm. I've worked for Dave Ramsey. Both of these guys are super, super, super highly efficient with their time. 
and it's funny, you know this, when new people come on the team and they experience the system mm-hmm. around these two guys yeah. of how everything is so structured to where time is just like, and you think it's a little extreme at first, don't you? Yes. Then you realize what's going on there. They have so little time that it has to be that structured. And here's why I bring that up. It seems extreme to some people, and I think a lot of leaders are listening to this and they're going, boy, I need more time, Chris. But they're afraid to do the things necessary to come across as extreme, maybe almost in too intense, too structured to save time. But the fact of the matter is, if you really value your time, you're going to start getting serious about how you delegate your actual time. Well, you have to. The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing yeah. over and over and expecting a different result. So if you won't get structured, if you won't delegate, you're going to be frustrated, irritated for many, many years to come. And so I want to give people some tips. Okay, talk about this topic. Number one, the truth about delegation is, is that it's all about trust mm-hmm. and it communicates value to your team mm-hmm. and it gives you more of your time back. And those three things, I'm going to tell you, any business owner out in America, if I told them I could give them those three things, trust, time, and value of their team, they would say, give it to me. The key is, is I can't give it to you. You have to give it to yourself. That's it. So everybody resonates with those three things right there. I mean, it's breakthrough. Yes. Why don't we do it? It's because, A, I think, I'm going to be honest with you, because you know what this podcast is. Yeah, keep began. it real now. I, I think it happens from either not trusting your team, not thinking they can do the job. That's it, yeah. Ego, thinking you can do it all by yourself and nobody can do it better than you. Or third, they don't know how. And I think those three things, if we're honest, every entrepreneur has a little bit of ego. I mean, you can't go out and take the bull by the horns and not have a little. But what we don't want to do is allow that to get in the way of your team. And so the communicating trust, I think, is very, very important because I'm going to tell you, you know Dave trusts you. Mm-hmm. You you are the individual that goes out there and kicks off our events in front of six, seven, ten thousand people. And so he delegates that to you because he trusts your competency. He's seen you do it. We have meetings about the event. And so all of that allows him to do what? Focus on doing what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, you look at that and you take that job very seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I think that level of communication and being connected, it lets everybody know that you're valued. Mm -hmm. Everybody's bringing something to the table. Yeah, boy, that is really true. So I want to talk about that in the how you delegate, because at some point, Dave began to let you speak on his behalf on these very nuanced Mm -hmm. money questions. This was years ago. And a little bit at a time, he gave you more and more of this trust we're talking about. And I think this is a great example. Well, the crazy thing is, is just like in the lesson that Dave and I will both teach at EMS, it's the rope. And I love that we oh, use yeah. that example mm-hmm. because literally what happened is over the course of almost 11 years, he extended some rope here and there. Now, he's never taken his hands completely off. Right. He's plugged in as, right. the, uh, as the leader. And the funny thing is, Ken, the thing we talked about most, delegation is needed because we have a lack of time. Right. But here's the flip side of that. I got to earn that trust by spending time That's right. over the years, years, understanding the company, understanding the vision. Right. And so I'm glad you brought that up because leaders need to understand and teammates need to understand right. that this delegation stuff is a two-way street. That's right. Leaders have to trust their team to do it, but the team has to be able to prove That's that they're capable. Right. That is good. It's really true. It really is a rope. It's not tug of war. 
but you got the leader letting out some rope, but you, who get the delegation, who get the opportunity to prove something, have got to have a firm grip on that rope and pull yourself along as well. well I'm that's the performance. You mentioned tug-of-war, and that's funny, because here's the deal. If you've got somebody on your team that wants more responsibility, right. they're going to be pulling at the rope. Well, that is true. That's and, right. and, and here's the owner who's saying that, hey, I'm still relevant. I'm still leading this thing. Right. Here, give me, hey, hey, <laughs> that's right. give me that. But I think the more people trust each other, where we go, if Dave comes in and gives us some input after we're on the show today, it won't be something where we get defensive. No, no. It'll be something that we look at and we go, okay, we need to listen because we want to get better. That's right. Right? That's right. And so at his instruction, and entree leaders out there, hear me with this, your instruction needs to come in the vein of improving someone, mm-hmm. not in the vein of trying to prove your value. Mm, that's really good. Yeah. All right, so you've got, this is fun, I want to give you some time to lay this out. Okay. You've got six things that are super practical here because we all know what delegation is. We've been talking around it philosophically right now. And I think what we've been saying is extremely practical. However, now you got to take this because I I feel I can hear it. I hear people listening right now and they're shaking their head. Yes. They go, I need to be better at this. I need to figure this rope deal out. Mm -hmm. How do they do it? Okay. Number one, I'm going to give you six tips. We got time for that? We have time. Okay, good, good. All right. Hey, I've given you enough rope to be able to deliver these six tips. Okay, well, I'm going to hold the rope gently. <laughs> first, I want to tell the entree leaders out there that you have to do some things first before you can do my six tips. And that is make sure, A, you have the right mindset and that you're hiring the right people. Okay, you've got to get the right people on your team. And then I'm going to give you my six tips. Number one, I want you to select the right person for the task. Mm-hmm. Too oftentimes as leaders, we will just grab somebody and give them a little piece, and we're not really sure if they know what they're doing and all that. Well, that's you're not going to feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. You're all you're going to be laying up at night with your eyes open, wondering, "Oh gosh, what am I going to have to do to fix it?" So f- pick the right person on the front end. Mm-hmm. All right. Second thing is explain the results. What does success look like? Mm-hmm. There, there's so many leaders out there that don't do that. They say, here, I want you to go do this. Well, no, take the time and let them know. I want you to do this, and this is what success looks like. This is what a rock star looks like. And so the person needs to be able to tell you that back so we're on the same page. Delegation without details is a disaster. I love one of Dave's statements, and it's one of the most beautiful things. To be unclear is unkind. That's right. And I don't want to be unkind to anybody. Mm -hmm. So as a leader, I have to be clear. Mm -hmm. Now, when you do that, you're going to do tip number three. Am I on three here? All right, here's number three. three. Avoid misunderstandings, meaning make sure things are crystal clear. Mm -hmm. Don't let anything be fuzzy. And so if you have to have a couple of meetings to explain the task, email to follow up, and then let that person ask you questions. I think that's important. That is good. All right, the fourth one is give away the whole task. And what I mean by that is, don't give them the little corner of it, right? Uh, Dave doesn't ask you to go out and do the intro at these big events, but then we'll handle the closing. Someone else will do that. And so you knowing that, you go in going, okay, I've got to orchestrate this entire event. And you feel that, and you go do that effectively Mm -hmm. because you understand. Yes. Next is, uh uh-oh, don't interfere. When you delegate, I want you to give people feedback, but don't give them interference. Meaning it's okay to have checkpoints mm-hmm. times that we're going to meet up and look at the progress and see, I say that because don't delegate on the first of the month and then check up with them on the 30th. Right. There's some time that happened in there right. that could have been used for check-ins and checkpoints, right. a chance for you as a leader to keep your hand on the pulse. If you don't do that, 
Well, now when it doesn't end well, you've got to be irritated at yourself. Right. So let's get drama out of the way and have clear checkpoints. Is it once a week? Is it twice a week? But you're checking in. Mm. And you can inspect what you expect when you check in. Oh, I like that. And then the final one is, is just stay connected to the progress. I mean, not only with the task, but please do this. And Ken, you and I have worked for people like this before. If somebody does a great job, please tell them. Mm-hmm. Like, please tell them. Right. Because if they're wondering if they have or not, it creates anxiety in them. And if they have anxiety, then they can't perform well. Mm-hmm. Stressed out people can't perform well. But if the leader will tell you, hey, you did a great job on this, this, and this, let's work on this and keep doing that, that individual has a clear understanding of where they stand. Mm, I love that. All right. You've explained them beautifully, but just list them out. Sure. Because I, what I want people to do here is, and I'm stalling, folks, because I'm giving you a chance to write this down or pause this podcast and make sure you get back here, mark this moment in the podcast, because this is huge. I really think that these six things you've just laid out are absolutely huge, uh, to the point where I'd almost print them out and slap <laughs> yeah. them somewhere as a leader where you see them every day so that it reminds you, this is a really nice little, little I hate list. to say this, it's like a little baby steps. It is. It really to is. To true delegation. And I've done these wrong before, yeah. and so I'm an individual that's trying to get better. Yeah, so, so here we are. Select the right person, explain the results you want, avoid misunderstandings by having checkpoints, little meetings to update and talk and communicate, Delegate the whole task, let them understand the breadth of what they have to do, and then give input, not interference. And then I want you to make sure you're reviewing progress regularly. And so have those opportunities that you're telling them what they did well, how it went, so they can feel confident about themselves going forward. Here's why these things are very practical, these six steps. Because if you're keeping yourself in check as the leader in this role of delegation, and you do these things, it's going to eventually really work. Because we know... It's hard to let go. We're not insinuating that this is a clean process. If you're not a good delegator, this isn't going to happen overnight. No. But these six steps right here will help you. Because if you don't do these things, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go, I shouldn't have done it. And you take the step back and you, you grab all your marbles back. And you won't let go of them. Well, I'm going to tell you this. And if I can be just be blunt and direct. If you want your business to grow, mm-hmm. if you want your team to grow, then you have to delegate. You have to learn how to do this. And the only way to begin to learn is to try. And so that's what I want to encourage all the listeners out there to do. Try. And and by the way, Ken, delegation is not just for the owner or the CEO. I'm talking to leaders. I'm talking to everyone out there that has people that you impact. Mm-hmm. When you ask for help, you're delegating. When you ask someone to help you set up a chair or help you do this or that, you're delegating. And that, and the way that we do that, as a peer-to-peer or as a manager to someone, all of those things, it's all about these same six steps. Mm -hmm. So regardless of where you are, you have an opportunity to impact someone's life if you learn to delegate properly. I love pictures and examples, and I want to close with this because we've really talked about delegation, I think, in a very holistic way. And I think one of the best examples of delegation is football on a high level. So let's just take Division One football or any college football team, yeah. pro football. You understand this. You played it. So I'm going to set you up, and I want you to just kind of – this is a beautiful metaphor to wrap this. You've got a head coach who has all these coordinators, mm. right? Specifically, the big three coordinators are an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and special teams coach. That's right. But the head coach is the head coach. He's extremely involved. However, each one of those coaches has team meetings. And what I want you to do is take it from here and kind of explain from – 
a Sunday after the game is over or a Saturday to the next week. How that delegation really works. Because you, you've got specialty coaches. Oh, yes. You were a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really trickles down. You've got, like you said, the head coach. Then you have offensive, defensive, and special team coordinators. Then you have position coaches under each of those teams. So you might have four to five offensive coaches, four to five defensive coaches. And then those people may have some graduate assistants right. or student coaches. And so as you look at it, it's this hierarchy. But the bottom line is is that everybody's on the same page. The goal from the head coach's perspective is to win, mm-hmm. right? So now offensively, the offensive coordinator has to come up with a game plan right. to win. The defense has to come up with a game plan to win. And it all trickles down to essentially to who? Coaches can't go on the field. Right. Okay? They can't play the game. Right. So it has to go to players. Right. Right? And so with that, it's a matter of at the top, do we all have this vision and goal? And then down here at the bottom, the people that have to go out and actually do it, are we all on the same page? Mm-hmm. And if everyone's on the same page and everyone does their job well, then everybody wins. That's right. And the great head coaches get all the glory, but you'll watch them walk up and down those sidelines, and they've got headphones on, just like you and I do right now. But the reality is they're trusting their defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator to call the plays. Do they give input? Oh, yes. But they mostly allow for the game plan to be executed. Absolutely. And again, that's where I think the value of communication has to happen. But everybody's on the same page. And tempers may flare, and you got all this emotion, but essentially the whole team is on the same page. And that's what our entree leaders can do in their company. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you're a team of two, yeah. but I want you to delegate. I want you to empower your team because I'm telling you, when you do that, they know that you trust them and they trust you. Mm-hmm. He is Chris Hogan, and it's always fun to have him in here. Real quick before we let you go, give us an update. Here we sit, your first book debuted atop all of the charts, unbelievable success, retire-inspired. What's next? What are you doing now? What's next? Give us a quick update. Well, everything went well. I mean, this was a team effort, this book, Mm -hmm. I mean, from top down. But I am still pushing. I'm out there doing the retire-inspired events. We're doing the entree leadership events all over the place and doing outside speaking. So I'm having a blast. ChrisHogan360.com is the mothership for all things Chris Hogan. So uh, check him out online. Of course, social media, ChrisHogan360 on all the platforms. Uh, Stay in touch with what he's doing. And of course, DaveRamsey.com for all of our live events because Chris is all over the place. So big fun to have you back. Dude, thank you. And, And can I say it once? Yeah. One time. One time. Grow yourself, grow your team, and grow your profits. I'm just saying that. There you go. That was your, well, that was your thing. Yeah, I like that. That's what that. you said. Yeah, yes. I like that. Everybody's got a thing. Everybody. You have to. I never listened to the very end, unfortunately. Well, you would turn me off. Yeah, I did. Oh. How would you end the podcast? I'm not doing it Give anymore it. for you. You did it there, but... You, what, hurt, you hurt my feelings. Was that your final thing that you I just did? I only got one. <laughs> <laughs> but that was how you ended it yeah, right there? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. Hey, you don't know As, how I end it. Uh, uh, Tell the truth. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so fun. Dude, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's Seriously. always great fun. Big fun with Big Pop. We'll get you back in here soon, buddy. Thank you, my friend. Well, that's fun. It's always fun with this guy. You can tell we spent a lot of time together because we can just kind of start riffing on stories and experiences. But the thing I think about when I listen to that is from time to time, people say nice things about my voice. And then I hear myself with Chris Hogan. And in my ears... This is what I sound like when I'm on with Chris, whether it be on this podcast or on the Dave Ramsey show. Hi, everybody. That's I feel like Mickey Mouse, and it's just because the guy's voice is so unbelievably rich. So, Eric, I've got a question for you. Uh, you are an editor extraordinaire, production genius, all these things. 
can you do something with my voice like right now as I'm talking? Can you just drop it into Chris Hogan land? Oh, that's beautiful. Really beautiful. There it is. Because I feel like I feel like I'm up here in this range when I'm talking next to Chris. But the guy is great, and uh, always fun to have Chris Hogan here. And by the way, you leaders out there, we've gotten some incredible results from our Entree Leadership Podcast Survey. And Eric, the producer, correct me if I'm wrong, but a huge swath of this audience, it's not just leadership that you crave, it's personal growth. And it's making a huge difference in your lives. And I'm telling you, we all are going to want to slow down at some point. Whether it's full retirement, how you define retirement, as Chris Hogan says, retirement's not an age, it's a number, and that's that financial number to live the way you want to live towards the end of our journey. And you don't want to stop, but you want to change pace. And Retiring Inspired is all about that. And so I'm telling you, if you've just heard us talk about that book, but you go, "Uh, it's not why I listen to this podcast, trust me. That book is written for every person on the planet, period. And Chris is now following up the best-selling book with a podcast coming out June 22nd. It's going to be called Chris Hogan's Retire Inspired. We actually have a preview episode that is posted for you now. If you go to chrishogan360.com and click podcast, or you can search Chris Hogan's Retire Inspired in iTunes. And we also have a link in our show notes for this episode, so you can go check it out. It's going to be really good. They're doing some fun things with the production of this. It's such an easy listen and such a valuable topic. Now, Chris is going to unpack topics like saving, investing, building wealth, and everything else you're going to need to win long-term financially. Now, two episodes are going to come out on the release date of June 22nd, but we want you to get on this right now and subscribe. So go check it out. Chris Hogan's Retire Inspired Podcast. All right, this is our second week in June here with our podcast, and our theme this month, of course, is delegation. Our free tool for you is the Entree Leader's Guide to Delegation, the best way to build a business bigger than you. Now, I'm telling you, what Chris Hogan did for you, those six tips, that's good enough. The rest of this podcast is complete bonus. I mean, that was phenomenal, but you really need to take us up on this offer. A couple things I want to point out. I told you in the last podcast, but I want to remind you. This Entree Leader's Guide to Delegation is going to give you 10 basics of delegation, going to give you a checklist with actual practical steps to help you dip your toe in the water of delegation. For some of you, you're not good at it. Let's just be honest, you're not. Some of you have never even tried it. This checklist is going to help you because it's super practical. Just trust us. It's a rope. You heard Chris and I talk about the rope? We're giving you a rope. You ever seen uh, little kids, Eric? You've seen little kids at these preschools. They all, when they go to the bathroom, they all walk holding the rope. And it's this really cute little rope. And on each side of the rope, you got kids on both sides of the rope, and there's these little handles. That's what this is. You just won't be as cute. But you'll be effective. And then, of course, we give you a time audit worksheet that this is going to give you, I think, some really clean lenses to look at delegation properly and really give you an assessment where you're at. There's so many more things in it. The Entree Leader's Guide to Delegation, the best way to build a business bigger than you. Here's how you get it. Two ways. You can always go to entreleadership.com slash podcast. In this episode, there's a link for you to download it. Or you can just text right from your smartphone. Text one word. It's delegation. Text delegation to 33444. 33444, and you will get this free resource. One other item and a place where you can hear Chris Hogan live is Entree Leadership Master Series here at our offices, October 23 through 27. It's Chris Hogan and Dave Ramsey, four days. Last day, super practical. No more teaching. It's just, hey, here's what we taught you the last three days. Now here's how you use it. 
The format, wildly, wildly popular as we did it for the first time just recently. So October 23 through 27, 2016, here at the worldwide headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. Of course, you can go to entreeleadership.com slash EMS, entreeleadership.com slash EMS to get your ticket. I'll be hosting that event. We'd love to see you here. Every once in a while, we have a guest on this podcast that I get to meet, essentially, the same time you do. Before the interview, of course, I prep, but I haven't heard of him prior to this. And Brian Clark is one of those guys. Now, once I dove into all the information and I talked to our team here at Ontario Leadership, they're like, this guy is a rock star, is an absolute guru. So I did my homework and I was quickly impressed and very excited about the conversation. And so this is a, a really important conversation. going to really help you as the small business leader, you know, this idea of content marketing. It's not a new phrase to many of you who are paying attention to things in this space. But for some of you, you may not have a really clear definition and application of how do you use it. So super practical, super important. Here it is, my conversation with Brian Clark. Well, Brian, it's a pleasure to have you with us. And I think this would be a fun way to kind of create a context for our entire conversation. That is the idea of content marketing. And just for you listeners out there, I mean, 10 years before this term was even something we threw around regularly, this is uh, back 1998-ish, roughly. Define it in your terms. How do you define content marketing, certainly as somebody who coined the phrase? Yeah, so I didn't actually coin the phrase. My friend Joe Paluzzi did. In 2008, he convinced me that what I'd been doing for the last 10 years was called content marketing. And I'm not sure anyone really loves the terminology, but it's what stuck and it's become a $40 billion industry. So right. <laughs> I guess uh, we can't complain. But yeah, it goes back. I was an attorney, did not like it. From 94 to 98, I went home every night after working really long hours and just looked at this little old compact computer at the web. In 94, it really kind of became commercial. I really had this desire to try to make a living writing somehow, but I had no real desire to go to New York publishing. So I'm looking at the internet and there are people out there, they're creating what were called e-zines, just email newsletters, which are still around. And I said, that's fantastic. You know, they write, they sell advertising, and they make a lot of money. So I started publishing online and managed to build audiences, email lists, create good content, got a lot of great PR, and made zero money. So my first business actually failed. But in 1999, I read a book called Permission Marketing by your friend Seth Godin. Uh, one of my mentors, it all clicked. Uh, he basically said the internet is a direct marketing medium, but not like the offline world. Here, you don't buy lists, you don't buy access to people, you don't interrupt them. What you do is get permission. You offer them something so that they'll join your list. And that's when I started uh, really content marketing because the secret ingredient there was you don't sell advertising, you sell products and services. So I just took permission marketing. I said, okay, here's what I'm doing. I'm selling things directly to people one-to-one. And that's how it all started. So after I had some success as a solo attorney, I still didn't want to practice law. So I started two more businesses in the real estate field, completely virtual real estate brokerages built out of websites. There was no real physical thing there. And that was based on the insight that the buyers, they were online looking for houses. And I wanted to be the person they found. And the things I had learned about direct marketing, copywriting, 
landing pages, all of these things that brokers and realtors didn't understand really allowed those businesses to take off. Yeah. So to the small business owner who's listening in here, how can they use content marketing? What does that look like? And what I'm looking for here are what are some characteristics of content marketing that obviously has value? It has to be valuable or people will stop reading it or engaging with it in whatever format you send it out. Uh, video, of course, is now a major player there as well. But how would you define content marketing uh, as it relates to the everyday small business owner? Uh, we human beings like to do business with people we know, like, and trust. The first hurdle, of course, is knowing, attention, and what people are looking for since the internet kind of turned things on its head. It's no longer us, the sellers, who really have the power. It's the buyers because they are on a self-directed information-gathering mission to find out, okay, I have this problem or this desire, which is really just a problem in reverse, and I'm going to go figure out who's going to solve this for me. So first and foremost, they're looking for information, not a sales pitch, not your product page at this point. So creating useful information that addresses the problem is how you show up at the beginning or at least early in that buyer's journey. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. And let's go back to real estate. I understood at that time that I had two primary types of prospects first-time home buyers and relocating buyers. And so I created these email-dripped courses, essentially, that, okay, what are the problems this type of person has? A first-time home buyer doesn't understand what to do in inspection. They may not understand how to negotiate the offer. They may not know what to look out for. Identify the problems that they have and then give them information that assures them that, number one, you have their interest in mind. And number two, you're the person, you're the authority that's going to make this transaction go better. Does that make sense? You get known, they like you because you're providing them value and they trust you because you're on the up and up, that you're giving freely instead of just pitching them right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. But how do you grow your business with that? And then again, I'm trying to think in terms of if I'm a small business owner and I begin to create a, a digital presence by offering value this way. How do you then convert those people who are essentially raising their hand and they're saying, hey, I like what you're giving me? How do you take them to the next step and really take them into you know, a long-term retained customer using this content marketing? Yeah, so here's where some people mess up. They hear, oh, people don't want to be pitched, and they never make an offer. You know, This is really an exercise in influence and persuasion in a way that doesn't feel like selling to them. Some people call it a sideways sales letter. You're delivering content over time, and it's kind of hitting on all these elements of influence and persuasion, but in a very value-oriented and kind of under-the-radar way, not in a bad way. I want to stress that because anytime you're giving people useful information, you know, without a requirement that they ever work with you, you know, that's a good thing. But the goal is, are more people working with you than not with this strategy? And that's what we found with content marketing. And that's why I've been able to start eight businesses from scratch mm. with content and no venture capital. And now we do 12 million last year in revenue. So right. anyone can grow existing revenue with the same strategy. It's not just a startup strategy. Mm -hmm. How would you describe yourself? If I were to say, what's your trade, Brian, what would you say? Interesting. Um, when I left the practice of law, I tried to identify as a writer, and I quickly mm -hmm. found that 
I'm an entrepreneur who can write. And that right. was a blessing. <laughs> yeah. um, I loved starting businesses and that's what continues to thrill me to this day. So I am a entrepreneur, but at this point, I'm the CEO of a company that has about 65 people around the world. And yet I don't feel truly different. Uh, mm. w- within the context of the business, there's always the next line of business. There's the next launch. There's the next cool thing to build. And that's what gets me up in the morning. Yeah. That's exactly what I was looking for from you because sometimes we we get in the weeds of somebody like you and what you do and we forget that, you know, you also have to lead and you don't consider yourself, you know, your, your answer was not, well, I'm a leader. You, you said, you know, I'm an entrepreneur who likes to write, you know, and yet you do have to lead. And so I want to talk about that from your unique standpoint. They're all over the world, your unique situation with 65 people all over the place. What have you found to be challenging for you as an entrepreneur who likes to write? With that description, I think people can grasp that. So what have been some leadership challenges for you, and how have you mitigated those? So in the second and third businesses, which is really when I would consider, you know, going beyond a solo practice to being a true entrepreneur, I was about the worst delegator ever. And you hear this a lot, right? Almost everyone has, I would be incredibly jealous of a first-time entrepreneur who was like, no, it's perfect at management and marketing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. I, I was really good at marketing. And then when you get the clients coming in like that, I was also the guy in charge of almost everything. Even though I had other people working for me, I was so central to everything. And I kept, you know, all my knowledge was wrapped up in me instead of taking the time to create processes to make sure that others could operate independently. So what did I do? I worked 18-hour days and I was miserable. So when I started Copyblogger in 2006 to basically share this idea of using content to build an audience, which builds your business, I had a complete mindset change at that point to where I was only ever going to do what I'm good at. And through that process, I developed numerous partnerships. It was always, I'm doing this and you're doing that. And when we we had several startups that I launched off of Copyblogger over uh, 2007 to 2010. So when we merged all those companies together, so I had all these smart partners talking to each other, not just to me, that's when we really began to grow into a real organization. But I had to still remind myself that you have to create processes, you have to delegate. And that's always been a challenge for me. I'm still a very hands-on CEO. For example, I write all the copy on our product sites. I just do because... I just feel like I'm on the front lines (laughs) of of that message. But I've let go a little bit of that now. It's a constant challenge to say, right now, I'm better at this than you, but you need to become better at it, so I'm going to let you do it. Mm. Boy, that is there is some tension there, isn't it? And I don't want to go back for a second, because there are times where it's okay to be very hands-on. Right. Like delegation doesn't mean just hands off across the board. That just means you're not touching everything because that's just not efficient. That's not healthy. But uh, I love that you pointed out that there's still some certain copy that you really are hands on with. And that's the key. Is it not finding the areas where this is where I'm super hands on, but over here I'm off? It's true. And frankly, I enjoy it. I'm not doing anything hands on that I hate, number one. And that is crucial. 
And number two, if I'm doing it, it's because I want to, and I think it needs to be done by me. But I no longer have a monopoly on any one thing. I delegate within every realm, and I sometimes get hands-on in every realm, including product development, making sure our support teams are uh, doing above and beyond, obviously copy marketing, uh, long-term strategy, product development, and vision, you know? But it's a different thing than I used to be where it was more like, just go on, I'll do it. That's a kiss of death for any business owner, any entrepreneur. All right. So beyond delegation, what are some other things that when it comes to your leadership role, as you begin to evolve with the growth of the company and figuring out your sea legs, if you will, as a leader, what are some other areas that you have been challenged to grow through? Well, here is something that people may not take into account with this whole uh, content marketing audience building thing. Every partner, every employee, every contractor, freelancer, what have you, comes from the audience. So think about this. So you're an entrepreneur who writes, and so you're creating content. This content is infused with my views of how marketing should happen online, how content should be created how an audience should be built. You know, this is effectively announcing, it's like a long form manifesto of culture. This is what I believe. And then all these people in this organization, even though they're all over the world, came through that communication of culture, if it makes sense, and said, yes, I want to be a part of this. So it's amazing because so many companies struggle, but because of the expression of a, you know, standing for something, I guess, if you will. Uh, and anytime you do that, some people don't like you and other people like you a lot and you're looking for people to like you a lot. So as a leader, I get to communicate at this very kind of high level, have people be attracted to those core values and philosophies. And I think that's why we work so well together. We're all on the same page from the beginning. You know, does that make sense? As opposed to, okay, we're a geographic company. Mm. We have a certain pool of talent we have to hire from. We have to bring them in and convince them to work for us. I live in Boulder, Colorado. It's pretty competitive out there, and I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. it has been a blessing that I'm not sure people realize from an organizational standpoint. I think Dave Ramsey has the same thing, right? People... Mm -hmm know what he says, and they believe it, and they want to come work for him. And mm -hmm. it's, it's very similar. Obviously, I'm not at his scale. <laughs> right. Well, what's your ratio of the 65? How many are there in Boulder with you versus uh, spread out? So there's only two other people here in Boulder, and they're two of our younger new hires. I've got a couple of people in Denver, but everywhere else, in large concentration in the Dallas area. We have quite a few Canadians, quite a few Brazilians. It's interesting because a lot of it came from operating within the WordPress community, which many of our products are either uh, modifications right. to WordPress or based on WordPress. So it was always, who's the best person for this job and where are they and who do they know? Right. And so you can kind of see how you start aggregating people in little hubs, even though they're all over the place. Mm. You know, this is what I want to dive into here from a leadership perspective, because not everybody listening in here has a situation like we have here where everybody's here. You know, the 500 and who knows how many it is now, 60 or so are all here in Franklin, Tennessee, a suburb of Nashville. But there are certain businesses like yours, for example, it just doesn't operate that way. It, it really can't operate that way. And so I'm curious what you've learned about leading that company remotely 
and really from a standpoint of high efficiency and high performance. How do you lead a company into high performance, sustained over time, when you're not all together? How do you do that? What's unique about that? It's just an interesting subculture, I guess, of people who spend a lot of time online and are used to communicating with these tools. The interesting thing is that Harvard Business Review, uh, a lot of major publications, now all they can talk about is virtual workforces and, and this is what's coming and everyone's going to have to learn how to deal with it. I, I get that that's a challenge if you're used to walking down the hall to talk to someone. But here's really what I found makes it work. It's communication. I don't care if it's you walking down the hall to talk to someone in person or if it's a, a Skype call, a Slack, Trello, all these great platforms that we use to communicate virtually. As long as you effectively communicate, that's what matters. And I think a, another aspect that keeps everyone efficient is we hired the right people. We trust them to do their work. There's only been a couple of instances over the last five years where we had to let someone go. And that's amazing to me. But as long as you get your work done, no one's looking over your shoulder. And I think for a certain breed of person, that is highly motivating. And for others, they wouldn't be able to function that way. So it really comes down to effective communication with the right people. Mm -hmm. What would you say to the small business owner who's listening in here right now? And they're sitting there going, okay, uh, I get this content marketing thing. I think we can utilize it and be effective with it. But as I look at my team right now, uh, you know, I don't have anybody that really enjoys being online all day and maybe has those writing skills. What would you say to them if, if they were sitting here and we had them all in a room and uh, we're up in front of them and I'd say, all right, Brian, give them a couple of steps forward. What are some practical steps to begin to utilize this conversation that we're having? Yeah, I think 98% of the time looking to your existing people to implement something that's so tremendously different than what you've been doing is often a recipe for disaster. Unless someone on your team comes to you and says, look, I've been listening to Brian Clark and I've been reading Copyblogger and we need to do this content marketing thing. And look, I've been writing and I can do it for the company. If that happens, maybe you should take that person up and see if they can head it up for you. Otherwise, what I recommend to small business owners is to think like a media producer. Don't think about this within the context of your current business. Say, okay, if I were to start producing Super Bowl ads, I wouldn't hand it off to Doris in accounting. I would hire a team. Well, the good thing is content marketing is a lot less expensive than a Super Bowl ad, both in production and media buy. In fact, there is no media buy until you start experimenting with advertising and all that. But You've got to think, okay, what I need to do is produce this type of content because my prospective customers have these initial concerns, objections, questions. If I answer them, I'm going to get more business. That's why you're starting to see this entire ecosystem of people who know how to do this stuff. They can be freelancers. They can be consultants who also work with writing teams or video teams or producing podcasts. Five, seven years ago, mm -hmm. it was hard to put this together if you weren't someone like me who was kind of drawn to it in the first place. Nowadays, there's an entire realm of infrastructure. I mean, we have an entire program of certified content marketers that you can hire because we saw the need for regular business people 
who need to be able to talk to someone who knows what they're doing, that they can trust, and he'll get it done for them. So that's my advice. Think like, okay, I'm producing media. That's what content is online. How do I get it done? Who do I need to get it? What kind of team do I need to do to put that together? And often you can start with one freelance writer and then grow from there. Mm. Well, you really answered my next question because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I, I, a lot of our audience has got to be going, all right, Brian, where do we find these people? There's this ecosystem you talk about in this realm, you know, and it's like, all right, what, what planet are they on and, and how do these good people go find them? So obviously you're offering, uh, they can come to you, uh, and I'm not trying to plug this. This is a real answer to a question I was going to have. So you and, and what other places? What I'm thinking of like, you know, the old outpost. <laughs> what part of town do you go to find these people? So beyond you you and give us some details on how our audience can connect directly so they are I want somebody like that let's give that a shot let's kick the tires beyond uh, what you guys are doing what are some other places they can go to find these folks yeah as far as as the people we train uh, we don't get a cut if you hire them or anything we have taken them through a training program and certified uh, that yes you know what you're doing so I'll be happy to share that page with you because it, it's great. We're, we're out of the loop at this point, um, other than saying, yes, these are good people. Right. But really, Content Marketing Institute, again, my friend Joe Paluzzi, Content Marketing World is a September conference that has become the industry conference. Things like this. If you're interested, there is a ton of stuff online, uh, including over at CopyBlogger. We've got a content marketing library full of free ebooks if you want to sign up for that you can get the education you need the knowledge you need online but i find that programs like our certification there are other ones out there if you if you google for that i believe content marketing institute also has something going on there but it's showing up somewhere it could be a local event it could be you know a big national event like the one in september but getting out there and meeting people that helps mm, that's good well, Brian, uh, before we let you go, I'd love to ask our guests if they could just share one thing with our audience, whether it be from your head or your heart, maybe something you're being challenged by or something you're learning or inspired by, or you just want to encourage this audience of go-getters who are winning and really want to be successful entree leaders, people who are entrepreneurs and leading well. What would you say to them? I would say, you know, a lot of things are changing right now. Uh, there's probably a lot of things you're looking at to evolve your business, to stay in pace with those changes. And it can be daunting. You look at someone like me who does things perhaps radically different than you, but it's not that I'm any smarter. It's just a different avenue. I like to share this because it's my favorite quote. It comes from Albert Einstein, and he says, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with the problem longer. And that's my credo, and that's what keeps me going. I may not understand everything instantly. I may not be able to figure everything out, especially as things rapidly change as they are right now. But if you stick with the problem, and usually the problem is from the standpoint of what's the problem that your best customers, your prospects are facing, and just stick with it longer than your competition, and you'll come up with the answer. I like that. Stay with the problem longer. That's good stuff. He is Brian Clark, and many of you know him as the copy blogger, copyblogger.com. Where can they follow you on Twitter, Brian? That's at Brian Clark on Twitter. Very simple stuff. Hey, buddy, we're better for hanging out with you today. We appreciate your time. Man, I loved it. Thank you. Good stuff from Brian Clark there. Two things I want to point out. One's a takeaway. I want to highlight something he said that I think is really good. He said, buyers have the power. You 
must provide information to address their problem. You heard a lot of this from Donald Miller when we had this two-part conversation on this idea of addressing their problem. Great statement, very applicable. Second thing, you heard us talk about those certified content marketers. We have a link for that. If you want to check out that resource, we think that could be valuable to many of you. So we've got that in the show notes, entreleadership.com slash podcast. Go to this episode and we'll have a link for you. And then, of course, anything else you'd like to follow up with and learn more about Brian and what he's doing, copyblogger.com. That's copyblogger.com. In last week's episode, Chad Kirby discussed this guide that they've created at Infusionsoft to help you understand webinars. How do you produce a webinar? Because we found on our team, and we certainly see this in the marketplace, that webinars, they're very sticky. They can be very helpful to what you're trying to do. And Chad Kirby has told us, point blank, you can do it in eight steps. That simple. Eight steps, very clearly laid out. It's a great guide for you that Infusionsoft is providing for free this month. Go to infusionsoft.com slash eight steps. Infusionsoft.com slash eight steps. That's the number eight, by the way. So infusionsoft.com slash eight steps. Go check out that resource and just do one. Can I just say that? Like, this is one of those things where, like, it may be new for some of you, and you get this guide, eight steps, and you go, all right, this is actually very, I can do this. But then you're like, oh, it's got to be perfect. My backdrop, my lighting, the sound's got to be perfect. No, it doesn't. Just do one. Don't get paralyzed. Just do it. And then sit back. Do, Do your best. But do your best with what you have. Put one out there. See if there's value. Learn from it. Great stuff. Well, I want to thank Chris Hogan and Brian Clark for being a part of this podcast. Remember to get our free Entree Leadership Delegation Tool. Text the word DELEGATION to 33444. On behalf of our producer, Eric Anthony, and the entire Entree Leadership team, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk with you again very soon.